Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we've got Todd Miller with USA Homebuyers and he flew in from Richmond, Virginia to talk about how he did two million last year between wholesaling and wholetailing. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer, and every month we help hundreds of people buy more houses at deeper margins. If you want more info on that, DM me the word sales on Instagram. And I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires and really the information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years if you'll take consistent action I assure you, you will become one. And this show is brought to you by our company, InvestorLift. Get access to over 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in Disruptors, and you get 10% off. And if you get value today, please tag a friend below. Share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And don't forget, we do have Closers Lab tomorrow, 10 a.m. Thursday. And we also have Blockchain Wales starting now on Fridays. This is a live show, so please ask your questions for Todd to answer. You ready? I'm ready. All right, so the first question is what got you into real estate? Uh, what got me into real estate? I worked a sales job, basically, and was going into debt, living paycheck to paycheck, and just had to figure out another way to get out of the rat race and not you know, keep going into debt, keep living paycheck to paycheck. Just was really motivated to create some more additional streams of revenue. Uh, so, when was this? It was back in uh, 2008. Okay. When I started, I originally started, there was a website called flippinghomes.net and I would work my 40 hours a week, come home, eat dinner with my family. Then I would get on flippinghomes.net and basically just learn and grow for hours and hours each night. So, uh, who was running that? Uh, it was uh, Steve Cook at the time. Okay. And you're saying paycheck to paycheck. Most salespeople yep. do, well, depends on the industry, but a lot of salespeople do pretty well. Yep. So was it the... Matter of the times was the industry you're in. What was why? Why you? Why were you paycheck to paycheck? Uh, had kids, a lot of kids. So you know, kids cost money. <laughs> they do cost money. My <laughs> wife and I joke like, man, what could we do if we didn't have kids? That's right. Uh, okay. So when you're saying paycheck to paycheck at that time, you were in Virginia then. Yep. Okay. So yep, what originally. was like? What were you making? Uh, actually, I was making six figures at the time. Believe it or not. So, okay. But, and what were you selling? Uh, I was in uh, truck rental and truck leasing industry. Got it. I hear yeah. that's a great industry today. Yeah, it, it was it was a lot of fun. It was okay. a lot of fun. So what were you responsible for then? Just uh, cold calling, going out to customers that have trucks in their fleet. And we would just you know either knock on their doors or call them up, get an appointment set, try to either sell them like a maintenance program or mm-hmm. actually lease them uh, the trucks, physical trucks. So. Got it. Okay, so uh, this was actually a pretty good time to get into distressed real estate. Yep. Uh, so, uh, you started looking around 2008, mm-hmm. how long until you took the leap? Um, for like full time before pulling the trigger on your first property on the first property. Actually, it took me two years to do my first deal. Okay. So, so which was a real long time. What was the reason it took two years? Well, back in 2008, you know, there wasn't skip tracing or any of that stuff. It was basically just direct mail. You know, you pull your list, you send out the mail and then you just wait for the phone to ring. Yeah. So, and that's kind of where, where we were at at that point in time. So. so was it because you had to figure out on your own? I mean, there was flippinghomes.net, but was it yep. predominantly like, there, like you and I were both in Supergroup. Right. Right. We can pick up the phone, call Joe Taylor, Scott Oots, right? Yep. Don Costa. Yep. Back then, you're kind of like on an island. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you're able to figure out to do direct mail and so on. So how long, I guess then, would be from when you were interested in it, in it until you took action as far as sending mail or, or whatever else? 
Um, well, I wanted to do my first deal first. I actually cashed in my my four hundred one k at the time because mm-hmm. the market was going was crashing at that time, right? And yeah. I, I kept seeing it going down, down, down. And I'm like, all right, this is ridiculous. I can make a better return than than what I'm getting with this. So I cashed it out, paid the penalty, and started my wholesaling company at that point. So got it. It's, there just was a lot of learning. Uh, joined the local RIA group. And I found uh, two local guys that were they were wholesaling pretty heavily at the time. Mm-hmm. Just shadowed them and and took it from there. So it Got just it. took it just took some time. You know, I didn't really know what I was doing. A lot of trial and error, and just learning how everything goes. And and so it it did take me quite a bit of time. So all right. So tell me about the very first deal you got. First deal we got uh, was actually in uh, Henrico County in, in the Richmond Virginia area, and we made like eight thousand dollars on that deal. So. Okay, wholesaling. Wholesaling, wholesaling. Okay. Yeah. So that was a uh, direct mail, door knocking, like. It was a direct mail lead. Yep. Okay. Direct mail lead. I think it was like an absentee owner that they right. found, and and then I was able to uh, find a find a buyer for it pretty quickly and cash an eight thousand dollar check, and that was like the largest check I'd seen commission wise in a, in a long time. So it was. And it was what nice. did you learn from it? Uh, basically that it can be done, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you have doubts before you can do your first deal and you put in all this time, all this energy. I mean, I had, I had put in two years before I even done a deal. So, but the way, the way I did it, you know, I, I cashed my 401k in and it was like, I have no choice. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep going, keep believing. I know this is possible because I've seen other guys do it. So just basically kept my head down and kept pushing forward, finding leads, making offers, and then boom, it fell so, through. 2010 then is when you did your first deal. Yep. Okay. So 2008, you cash out your 401k. Yep. Put money in your business. Yep. And then you just kind of watch it kind of dwindle a little bit. Yep. So I think one of the things that's hard for some people is to watch you put in this effort, no results, put in this effort, no results, put in this effort and still no results. Right. How did you keep going when you're just watching this? (laughs) I, I really had no choice. Um, like I said, you know, when I went all in on what I was doing and I cashed in all my chips and it was like, all right, I've got to make this work yeah. and figure out how to make it work. So, uh, one of my superpowers and one of the things I teach to my team now that I have is, you know, be committed, stay consistent and just keep, keep moving forward and being positive. So. Got it. So after your first deal, yep. um, biggest check, Yep. what, what, what happened after that? Uh, just basically, you know, was able to put some money back into my account. And then I, I just doubled down on my marketing that I was doing to create more leads and mm-hmm. just gave me some more income in the business that I could spend it back to the business to, to keep it growing and keep it going. So, yeah, I mean, I was part-time at that. I still worked my full-time sales job at that point. So my goal was to really double what I was making. So hundred thousand dollar salary and what I was doing. And I wanted to make a hundred thousand dollars uh, for the year in wholesaling houses. So. And then was that like a, a, a benchmark? Like once you can make it the same amount, then you can quit your other job? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How long did it take until you got there? Um, actually, I, uh, I stayed with the sales job probably longer than I should have. But, um, you know, when you have benefits, you don't really have benefits as you're an entrepreneur. You have to go out and buy them and mm-hmm. they're usually not as good. So it, it actually took me a little while. So the uh, fortunately for me, the uh, guy that owned the dealership and the, the leasing company, he sold out to a national company and they came in and they kind of changed things around and started cutting commission structures and all that. And that's pretty much when I said, okay. They made you know, it easier for yeah, you. Yeah. Made it real easy. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. And when was that? That was uh, 2000 and, uh, 2016. Okay. Yeah, when I went full time. So you really did like stay there for some time. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, how did you balance? Because there are people that listen to the show that are still maybe like one foot in, one foot out. Right. How did you balance having a full time job and sending marketing out and like dealing with sellers that are calling you back? So two things. Uh, first thing was I'm in sales, so I'm out running around the, the city, around the town all the time anyway. So I would just kind of structure wherever my, my lead was for the house. Mm-hmm. I would go, go do that. And then I could always have customers in that area that I could just pop in by and, and, yeah. and call them up. And, you know, it just worked out that way. I was very lucky in that regards. Um, and I, I was really good at sales too. Yeah. So I didn't really have to work as hard as I, as I probably should have at that <laughs> sales job because I was yeah. popping these houses. So, so you're very strategic with your time. Yep. Yeah. Um, I guess, I mean, going back to your job, you're saying that you're pretty uh, good at sales. Uh, were you a situation where you were more a higher, like a good amount base and then like a small percentage? Yeah. Yeah. It was, so, it was a, like a mid 50, 60 K base salary. Yeah. So, and then I could make it double that with the commission structure that I had. So yeah, it was nice. Okay. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of curious cause like there's, there's this conver- conversation, right? Like do you have, you, you pay your salespeople and, and this is true for us as well. You pay your salespeople straight commission yep, or do you pay them a base and a smaller commission and one is more subject to abuse than the other. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm not saying you were <laughs> abusing it. You were strategic with it, but you know, there's this kind of deal where like if you don't have to prospect 40 hours a day, yeah. You may not if you have a pretty good base. Right. Right. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I can see it both ways as a business owner. You know, obviously we, we want to pay as, as low of a base salary and have it more commission based. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the opportunity for the salesperson in that, that realm should be more potential, obviously, right? Right. Um, but the other way, you know, it's just straight commission. That's, that's what I like to do. I mean, that's how we pay our, our sales guys. It's straight commission. There's no base. Um, we will give them a draw while they're in their training process. But after that, it's pretty much you got to, you know, lock up deals. So. Yep. Uh, what was uh, your first major challenge or struggle as you were doing this? I mean, obviously the two years of waiting. After that, what were some additional challenges or struggles? Uh, just being consistent, I would say, was probably my biggest struggle. You know, you get a check and you kind of breathe a little bit, relax a little bit, <laughs> go go have some fun, and then, mm-hmm. you know, just have to get back, refocus, get back on the marketing. Because obviously this business is sales and marketing, really. It's not houses, it's sales and marketing. Right. Yeah. So Just you get stay focused on that. So you get a big check and then you kind of take a breath. Yep. Kind of enjoy it a little bit. Yep. And then you get back into marketing again. Correct. Got it. How did you stop doing that? Or have you stopped doing that? Oh, yeah, we definitely stopped doing that. Okay. So, yeah, so how did you stop doing that? How did we stop doing it? Just ultimately, we just did enough deals. You know, you go from doing, I went from doing one to two deals a month and then, uh, quit the job where I was making the hundred, hundred K. But my mentality when I quit my job was, all right, you know, I'm, I'm making a hundred thousand or more a year in real estate already doing one to two deals a month. So now I just need to do, and that's part-time, right? I'm part-time. So now all I need to do to replace my income is do one more deal a month, which to me was very doable. So, um, just didn't really stress about it. Just started the marketing at that point. 
Um, I was, had, did have a partner when I was full-time, like he mm. would do all the marketing stuff for me on that side. And then I would just focus on locking the contracts up and going out and selling them. So, uh, once I quit, went full-time, you know, I called him up, had the discussion with him saying, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going full-time now, so I'm going to do my own thing. And, and then that's when I started, you know, learning more about the marketing side and pulling the list and sending out, you know, direct mail, cold calling, stuff like that. Okay. So to clarify, uh, when you were working your full-time job, you had a partner. I had a partner, yes. Okay. And then once you quit your full-time job, then you say, hey, thanks. Uh, at this moment, I'm going to just go all in on myself here. Yep. Okay. So um, since he was handling the marketing side, were there any like eye-opening moments? Were there any ahas? Or like, man, I should have done this earlier. Probably that I should have done it earlier. I mean, yeah. I knew what list that he was pulling and mailing to, so... At that point, it was just going out and, and doing the work, so mm-hmm. and putting then starting to put a team in place slowly but surely as I could yeah. afford it. So all right, and then uh, as far as building out the marketing, then were you like right off the bat hiring people to handle this, or like what was your building out your business like? Yeah, when I went full time, um, I mean, me and my partner, we had virtual assistants at that point. So they were the ones doing the majority of the calling for us, mm-hmm. finding us the leads and then just booking us the appointments. So at, at that point, as soon as I, I left my partnership, I went ahead and hired, you know, two virtual assistants and got them started with the cold calling and, and locking in leads for us. Yeah. And then uh, just again, for context for everybody else, right? So this is like back in like 2016. Yep. So... The VA industry today is very different than the VA industry back then. Very different, yep. Yeah, so, like, how was it, like, managing VAs back then? Very labor-intensive. Yeah. And I, t- to this day, it still should be labor-intensive. Like, you need to communicate with your VAs. Mm-hmm. They, they love talking to the, the boss, basically, they'll call you. And um, if you're not in communication with them, I feel like sometimes they're going to they're gonna slip, maybe not do as much. But, you know, we have a team meeting every day with the virtual assistants. We go over their numbers. We go over what they what they brought in, how many appointments, how many leads they got, and uh, just basically talk through it. And then we challenge them if, if they didn't quite meet their quota. Like we have a four to five lead quota for the VA each each and every day. And mm-hmm. If they don't hit it, we ask them why. Was their call volume down? So forth. So got it. back when I started, it, it was very labor intensive. I actually trained all the virtual assistants. Um, from scratch. So we, we use a site called onlinejobs.ph. That's where I found them all. And I would basically, you know, hire three to start because I knew based upon the previous virtual assistants, there's like a six month shelf life for the most part with them. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get three of them and make them all compete against each other yeah. to find the best one to keep, to keep one. So that's, that's a little strategy that I used. And yeah, I actually yeah. trained them and I recorded everything that I did when I, re- when I trained them because I didn't want to have to retrain every single one that I hired. So I got really smart, got a screen capture device, recorded everything that I did when I trained the first group. And then when the second group came in, it's just here, here's, here's the recordings. Go watch through the recordings. If you have any questions, we'll, we'll, we'll talk each day for like yeah. five or 10 minutes. And that's a huge nugget, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that are trying to figure out how to train their people and like you get turnover and you got to train this new guy, you got turnover, you got to train this new guy, but recording your trainings is something that really reduces time commitment on your end. Absolutely. It's, yeah. It was huge. Huge. Uh, did you collaborate? Did you join forces with anybody at this time as you're, as you're you know, whether locally or um, 
nationally? Uh, I mean, I kept in touch with my old partner. You know, he's he's a pretty heavy player out in the Chesapeake, Campton Roads area. Um, so we would still bounce stuff off of each other, what's working, what's not working, so forth. And then also joined uh, a mastermind, which was huge for me. And if you're not in a mastermind, definitely consider joining a mastermind to to raise your game. It's just, there's not a lot of people back then that, that were doing it. So you're mm. kind of like on an island, right? Yeah. And just being in a group where everybody kind of is like you and understands you and knows what you're dealing with and what you're going through. And just to be able to, to chat and bounce ideas off of and what's working, what's not working was, was huge, huge yeah. for me. So, so uh, this was back then boardroom boardroom. Yep. And then, Start it, with boardroom. and then, it, and then eventually evolved into supergroup. Yep. So talk about where your business was before the mastermind and where your business was after or now. Sure, sure. Um, so before, I mean, I was doing one to two deals on my own, kind of struggling, you know, stressing every month that, hey, I'm going to spend this money and I'm not really sure if it's coming back or not. So, uh, and then taking that into consideration, joining, going all in on, on what I'm doing and believing in myself, that was the first step. And then joining the masterminds and just basically listening and learning from everybody in the group who's w at a way higher level than I was at that time and um, just incorporating their ideas and just seeing the consistency in what they're doing and then trying to bring that and duplicate it for my business. And that's kind of the model that we took. And we just hit that ground running. Um, my wife is my COO and she's helped me tremendously as far as being consistent. She's more the integrator yeah. on the side, and I'm more the visionary type person. I'm not really very good at putting things in place, but she's excellent at it. So um, yeah. bringing her on board with my company and, and us together, we're pretty much a, a great power team. So Yeah, and I think you guys are going to come, come back out here in a month and a half, right? Yep. Yeah. Back, back in June in is Costa. Yep. Yeah, so just kind of recap. It's just being able to compare notes with other guys. They're doing what you want to do. And I think that there's this thing we talk about in squatting up or, you know, finding your community, this and that, uh, you're able to do that back then, which helped you kind of get to get you to where you are today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was key. I mean, there's, I would not be here or where I'm at today without being in that mastermind. Right. And I think, um, what's interesting because, um, in those meetings we've talked about, like you run into some of the challenges or some major struggles, I think, um, I can't remember if it was you or someone else in there, but we were talking about like, you know, losing all your sales guys or having to replace all your sales guys. Yep. Uh, was that you or is it somebody else? Yeah, that was me. Okay. I've done that a couple times. So. <laughs> okay. So uh, I think sales is very interesting, right? Like uh, there's, there's, I, I, I think there's four different things involved with salespeople. First, you got to find them. Yep. And after you find them, uh, you got to train them. And after you train them, you got to manage them. Mm-hmm. And after you manage them and they're good, you got to retain them. Yep. Like there's four like major obstacles or steps with salespeople. Couldn't agree more. So what have you found <laughs> from your first time you had to replace all of them to the second time and so on? Uh, for me, like the first time it, it was taking the leap of faith to, to hire the first salesperson uh, in the first place. And then them kind of struggling and floundering. I really didn't manage them properly. At that time, I didn't have my systems in place. I, I wasn't doing like daily meetings. I just kind of got leads, threw them the leads, and just kind of waited to see what happened, right? I didn't track it. So, um, yeah. well, you just trust that, like, yeah. hey, like 
You're, you want to make money. I want to make money. Of course, you're going to do your job well. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Boy, that's, that's yeah. terribly wrong. So we, we, did, we did that. And then I you know, started to send out more marketing because now I had a, another sales guy and I could step in on sales calls and stuff as needed. And I actually hired two because I didn't want to have one. So if one quit, then I would be in a quandary where, all right, now I'm back to on the phones again, locking up deals and I'm running this little rat race circle, right? So um, it ended up where like the first group I had, they were doing like two or three deals a month. And I think my overhead was like 70 grand at that point. And I'm like, all right, this is not sustainable. So I let everybody go at that time. And then the very month after that, I locked five deals up myself, all by myself. So that just kind of told me that, hey, you know, two things. One, they weren't doing their job. Uh And two, I wasn't doing my job managing them very well. So then I, I, uh, I waited a while, built it back up, got some more cash back in my business again. And then I went and I hired three salesperson, three salespeople the second, the second time I did it. So, mm-hmm. and uh, lightning struck twice again. And uh, we had a, uh, an event that happened with all three of them where I had to let them all go at one time. Oh. And uh, so I was back on the wheel again. So, but I did learn from that experience that, Right before that, we were, we were doing really well. So we had the systems down. We had the mailings down. Uh, I just didn't have the right people in the right seats. Mm-hmm. So had red traction and, 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 you know, always learning, always growing, always getting 1% better. I mean, you got it out on the board there. That's one of my battle cries to my team uh. when we meet each day is just getting better and being better. So um, I knew I had the processes and the systems ready to go. It was just implementing it in the proper way with the proper people. So So the first lesson was you weren't managing them. Right. The second time you were saying that they weren't necessarily the right people or? Yeah, I wouldn't say they weren't the right people. You know, they they were doing their job pretty well, Mm -hmm. but you know, they're just a situation arose that I I couldn't keep them on my team anymore. So Um, is it something that you can talk more about? uh, It just was related to a, one of my one of my team members and and they were I, I talked to them about uplifting people and helping people out it was a situation where where they weren't helping one of our teammates out mm. and at that point i just felt like you know it was best for just culture part, situation. part ways yeah i wanted my culture to be you know championship level uh always pushing always striving yeah. getting better and at that point we were going the other direction and i just wasn't going to going to take that on my, on my, on my team. Sure. And so. I, and I appreciate that. Cause I think I see some of the stuff that you post about right uh, yeah. on Facebook and you know, I know it's, it's readily apparent that you want to create a certain culture yep. and you want a culture where we're winning and that you want to treat your people right. It's yep. obvious in, in some of your comments. Right. I mean, I'm very loyal, loyal guy and I expect loyalty on the other side as well. So, you know, I'll, you know, you're my family basically. If you're on my mm-hmm. team, you're my family. So yeah. And I'm going to take care of you. So, but obviously, it goes the other way too. I expect you to kind of take care of, of me as well. So, yeah. So, what have you found to work now with your existing salespeople? Um, again, just being more structured, more systematized. And uh, my wife actually helped put that put those systems in place. I got some actual uh, training as well, where I I, I purchased a coaching program. Mm-hmm. So uh, that helped me elevate to the next level as well, as far as tracking KPIs and having those daily meetings of, you know, talking about, you know, what, what's going on each day in your business and looking at it each and every day 
instead of, you know, having maybe one meeting a week where you're looking at it a week behind, right? Now you're a week later and it takes two to three weeks to catch back up right. where, where now it's a daily meeting and we catch it each and every day. So, I mean, we were just talking about leads this morning. So we're, our lead count was down last week and I'm like, okay, leads are down. Like what's going on? Let's look mm-hmm. at the marketing. Let's see what we can do. What are some other functions that we can implement to, to increase our leads? Yeah. So, so we can get more offers. One of the things that, um, you know, I've heard you talk about is running your, your business through KPIs. Yep. So like, how does that work as far as, I mean, do you just have them on your screen? Do people report it? Like how does, how do you run your daily meetings with using KPIs? So, um, the majority of our team is virtual assistants. So they're actually responsible for putting in their own productivity for each day. What we track on them is how many, how many, uh, past due tasks do they have? So they have tasks they have to perform each and every day. How many of those did they, did they complete? Um, total call volumes, like how many calls did they make that day? How many conversations did they have based upon those calls? How many leads did they get based upon those conversations? And then how many appointments did they set based upon those leads? So, okay. So they're self-reporting. Yeah. Uh, Google Forms or yeah, Google Sheet. Yep. Google Sheet. So they put it in every day and you have a chance to observe and monitor it. Yep. And then based off of those reports, what are your conversations like? Um, Just, you know, if they're not meeting their numbers, we'll have those conversations. Uh, You know, I expect them to do the the virtual assistants to make 200 calls a day. And if they're not hitting 200 calls a day, we single line dial. So it's not a a dial or anything. Uh, If they don't hit those numbers, obviously they're not going to get the leads that they need. Mm -hmm. So it's just basically having real conversations with them. So uh, we preach each and every day to go out and win the day, you know, just perform, be consistent. And, uh, it starts by, you know, each day, each call, like just take it one step at a time. And if they're not hitting those numbers, then we're going to have real conversations. That's like, yeah. look, you know, you fell short on your calls today, which in turn made you fall short on your leads and appointments. So tomorrow we need to pick that up and mm-hmm. make sure that it doesn't happen again. So. Got it. What's the conversation like when they do hit all their metrics? It's awesome. It's it's yeah. a big party, right? So yeah. you're getting leads, you're getting appointments, you're locking up deals. It's it's just a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. We celebrate quite a bit. Anytime we get a deal, you know, ringing the deal bell. Um, we have a, a group chat on Skype, how we communicate, and we're, you know, posting gifs and stuff in there. So it's it's a lot of fun. Got it. Um, and then something that you're really high on is virtual agents. So you know, there's. Uh, people that you know are 100% opposed to having VAs on the sales team, and there are people that like you got to run your sales team with the VAs, yep, or to run a profitable business. So, can you elaborate on your view on why you have VAs and then how to maximize that? Yeah, um, I mean, it started off basically that you know virtual assistants are very affordable; mm-hmm. uh, they're more affordable than. Uh, American people working in the States, uh, the way I p- looked at it, you know, we, we start our virtual assistants off at like four to $5 an hour. If I were to hire somebody local, I'd have to pay them like 15 an hour. Mm-hmm. So I could have three virtual assistants. So three people doing the same job as one person. And there's no way that one person can do as much as those three virtual assistants. So for me, it made a lot of sense. Right. Right. Uh, get more bang for my buck, more calls. And also, Somebody that makes $15 an hour isn't always like the happiest person in the world. 
But what those virtual assistants make, they're like the happiest people ever because they're making good money. And uh, it's just a lot easier to retain the virtual assistants, in my perception, than a, a U.S.-based person. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting, like, because I see so many people saying, like, I can't hire anybody, I can't hire anybody, right? And it's like, what are you paying? It's like, well, you know, 15 bucks an hour. It's like, all right. Like, the next time you're at McDonald's, that's who you're trying to hire. Because right. that's what 15 bucks an hour gets yep. today. Yep. Right? Like, you can't be out there posting job ads for $15 an hour and, like, be frustrated you can't find anybody. Right. Uh, okay, so you got the why the VAs. How are you able to run a, a, a successful sales business? And I know you were talking about the KPIs and so on. Like, are you like actively training these guys? Do you have regular uh, call listening? Like, what what are you doing to make your VAs better? Because a lot of people try the VAs for sales and they struggle. Right. Right. So, like, what what is separating your VA team from the average VA team? You know what? I, I would kind of just say, I, I, you know, I wouldn't say lucky, but just being persistent again at what I do. Again, that's one of my superpowers, being persistent, consistent, not quitting. And um, we just kept hiring them, hiring them. I kept training them. And, and then eventually we got a really good one. Right. And then we just, I just kind of leaned on that guy. Like, okay, like, who do you know that you could bring in that would be just like you? And, you know, they take pride in ownership as well. Like, you know, I tell them it's not my company. It's, it's our company. Like mm -hmm. they, they are part of the company, part of the culture. So was able to get one really good one who found another really good one who found another really good one. And it was just kind of like a snowball effect. And then, and like now we have a team that's, that's so reliable and consistent. Like if one of them starts slacking off, the, the they're you know we're having a meeting group accountability it. yeah so it's like hey you need to pick it up and they're they're kind of patrolling for me and i don't even really have to be involved now where i have a lead you know a lead va now and he basically does all my training so they're training each other now as well I, i'm really not involved that much anymore i we do a friday uh training call mm -hmm. and i do go in on the, on that meeting and listen to the calls with them and we talk about hey you know here's where we, we could get a little better here's all the things we did great here's what we need to work on yeah so and i just kind of oversee that part of it once a week with them and and uh that's that's about it at this point i think one of the best signs to see that your 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 culture is working is that they're calling each other out yep right because that's and it's not easy to develop that culture you can yep. encourage that culture you can say you want this culture right but once it happens it's like it's like a magical like pivotal moment right in your business yeah it's awesome yeah. One of the things I did to, to, uh, to make that the way it is now is I also bonus the virtual assistants. Mm -hmm. So they get a, their base pay. Anytime they get a deal, we give them a $100 bonus on top of that. And then another thing I do is we have our, our company revenue goals. And if we meet our revenue goals, I also throw another bonus into a, into a kitty that we pay out at the end of the year as yeah. like a, as like a big Christmas bonus. So they're, they're incentivized. Like they want to hit these bonuses and we keep them informed all the way through, Hey, we're, we're at goal. We're short of goal. We need to pick it up. Yeah. So it's, it's always pushing them a little bit harder, but yet showing them appreciation uh, for what they do. Cause it is a difficult because they are working, you know, they're Filipinos is who I hire. Mm -hmm. So they're working all through the night, you know, they're like zombies. Though, yeah. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. They're working the burning the midnight oil, literally. So, so you have VAs. How many VAs right now? We have nine. Nine. Yeah. And they're predominantly cold calling. Yeah. Seven, seven are cold calling. 
uh, to our data VAs. They, they're okay. scraping all of our data, doing all of our lists, performing all that. And actually, one of the seven that are a uh, caller is actually my acquisition, one, one of my acquisition guys. So he did such a good job at the, at the cold calling level. I, I uh, promoted him and let him try his hand at being an uh, uh, acquisitions person. Mm -hmm. And last month, he signed the most deals of all my acquisitions people. Better so. than some of your salespeople. Better than some of my salespeople, yep. Okay, wow, that's incredible. Yep. Now, that's just one month, though, so, yeah. yeah. So, you got... Our U.S. guys, our US guys crush it, too. So well, that, and they're probably I've listening. I've got a really good team, yeah. They're probably listening, they and are. they're probably a little motivated. That's right. So, you got... All right, so you got the nine VAs, and then do you have lead managers as well, or just straight sales managers? I do not have a lead manager currently, so okay. that's one of the things we were talking about earlier that I'm definitely going to look at incorporating into my business, because I think that could definitely take it to a, another level as well. Got it. Okay, so then you have three... Local sales guys. Yep. Okay. Uh, so we got a bunch of questions about your business, which I'm going to jump into uh, before cool. we before we get into there. So you're also doing the undefeated real estate group. What's that? Um, basically, one of my one of my passions is is coaching, training, just trying to pick pick somebody up, and um, I'm just starting this out right now. So it's it's not all implemented yet, but I'm in the process of putting it all together, and I just want to be. Yeah, you know, like you. I want to train people. I want to make millionaires and uh, just help help people be accountable and show them the path and how to get to being a millionaire uh, through real estate investing. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So before we jump into the questions, guys, real quick, we do have uh, our workshop coming up. Uh, it's going to be middle of June. It's uh, two and a half days. We're going to go over our business, uh, how we source deals, how we source talent, how we manage. P&Ls, balance sheets, literally everything you need to know to run a wholesaling business. Max Jimenez, my business partner, and I are going to be going over sharing the blueprint to our business. If you guys are interested in that, go to disruptors.com slash workshop. All right. So we got a whole bunch of questions here. So we got to get through these. All right. Let's go. All right. So first question was from Joshua on YouTube. How many people are on your team? So we talked about the VAs and the salespeople. How many people total are on your team? So we have uh, three acquisitions people. We have uh, seven cold calling VAs, two data VAs. Uh, my wife is our COO. Then my, actually my son is our dispo person. And I have a dispo VA as well that helps him to, to add buyers to our buyers list. And then I have a, uh, another son that works for me who's kind of our local outreach type, type person. I did have a uh, project manager, uh, but we had let him, him go for performance reasons and haven't replaced him yet, but I definitely need to for our, our re retail rehab and rental property projects that we have going on. Got it. You know, one question I didn't uh, ask, I meant to ask earlier. So uh, you felt like you were living paycheck to paycheck because yep. you have a big family. Uh, how many kids? Uh, we got five. Five kids. <laughs> All right. So how do you run a business with five kids? Now, it sounds like you got some adult children in the mix yep. here. Uh, but how do you run a business, you know, with family and balance all that? It's actually very, very hard to do. Um, it's not. It's not easy always. So, but uh, just having a, a spouse that supports supports you is a big key. And I have the best spouse ever. So she's there for for me and and helps helps me supports me, gives me the freedom and the time that I need to be able to to run and do my business. But I have started to focus more on just being more systematized, being more time management. And sticking to that, and then when I'm done with what I need to get done that day, shutting it down and basically being present in uh, what I do with my family. So. 
five kids. Mm-hmm. How do you balance a business with five kids? Um, so basically, like I said, it's, it's, it's having a, a, a great spouse that supports you. Really, I couldn't do it without, without my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, she's an integral part of, of the company as well as making it all possible. So uh, she handles a lot of stuff f- for me so I don't have to handle a lot of the stuff. So she gives me the freedom and the time and just to basically to do what, what's needed to be done for the business. Yeah. And then, you know, I've, I really tried to become more cognizant of being able to get all my tasks done for that day and then just shutting it down, you know, putting my phone away and, and just, just trying to be present when you're, when you're at home with your family. So yeah. that's so, a lot. I was like, she's the COO for the business yep. and the family. Yep. She is. <laughs> all right. Um, um, so the follow-up question from giveaway earlier was, you know, how did you make money during the, the real estate boom, but it took you years to get going? That's an interesting question. I'm not sure we were saying that you struggled to get going. I think really it was, you didn't want to take the leap because you still had benefits. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was, it was, I was just comfortable, right? So making six figures in your job, making six figures at real estate, it, that's a pretty good life. You're making yeah. $200,000 a year on the East coast. That's, that's a pretty good living. So yeah, it's, it's just, you get comfortable and you just kind of stay there and it's like something has to smack you in the face, right. To, right. to wake you up, to get you to that next level. And, Someone has to move your cheese. Yep. Yep. Uh, so Stephen Caller, uh, what would you do differently if you had to do all over again? I don't know if I would do anything different, to be honest with you. Um, probably just besides learning, learning faster, hiring a coach quicker, I, I would do that. Yeah. So that, I think that helped me elevate to, to the next level, just having somebody hold me accountable. Um, you know, cause we're entrepreneurs and we like to do things our way. And sometimes we need somebody to, to sit us down and be like, Hey, here's, here's how you systematize. Here's how you do this, uh, to help push you to, to be, be better. So. Gotcha. Um, so Rich Cassio. Um, wants to know, can you explain why you do better than they do in direct mail? I'm not sure you've said that you're, you're killing in direct mail, but, um, <laughs> can you share how you have re- good results with direct mail? Just being consistent. Again, that's, that's one of our superpowers. It's just that consistency of you, you've got to send it out each and every week. You can't stop marketing. Mm-hmm. Like the, the business is marketing and sales. That's all it is. It's not houses. It's not real estate. It's marketing and sales. If you cut off your marketing, you're, you're, you're sacrificing your sales already at that point. So just being consistent, we're going to spend, you know, we set our marketing budget and we're going to spend that money each and every month, whether we get calls or whether we don't call, mm-hmm. don't get calls. Now you want to react pretty quickly if you're not getting calls, but we're still going to spend that money so yeah. to bring in leads. Um, do you use Todd for the, for, for Dark Man? Uh, yeah, we should do Yellow right. Letter HQ right now. Yeah. So Yellow Letter HQ, there's a shout out there, Todd Swaggerty. Um, so on YouTube, are they contractors or are they employees if they're 100% commission? Uh, 1099s. Yep. Yeah. So I think the confusion here is it might be just really nuanced. Uh, you know, whether you call them contractors or employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on YouTube, Ian Ross, welcome Ian. Did your previous success in sales help you approach your KPIs? Um, Probably not help me. No, <laughs> I think it probably hurt me more than anything. Cause yeah. again, I'm, I'm, I'm a visionary person. I'm not an implementer. So I, I really struggled with that. That was one of the things when I hired a coach to, to go through my business that he was like, dude, you got to do this. Like, and I wasn't doing it at the time. So yeah. Well, I, I, 
And I think the reason why he's asking this is because I actually talked to him yesterday and he's actually uh, has a lot of success in sales as well before. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's really interesting because um, you hear a complaint in our industry like, well, I train these sales guys and then they end up just competing against me. Yep. Right. As frustrating as all can be. But the reality is that the people that we attract to our sales also have a very similar profile to a business owner. Yep. Absolutely. Right? And, but when we're in sales, like, I don't know about you. I'm going to speak for myself personally. Sure. Right. When I was working at my old broker, I wasn't so good at putting notes in the CRM. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then, you know, as business owners, we get frustrated with our salespeople. Yep. We're not putting notes in the CRM. Correct. Right. So I think uh, there's a lot of behaviors that we need to fix. <laughs> yep. We, uh, we stay on, I stay on top of that pretty, pretty well though. So. Well, you know, we again, do. that's that daily meeting, right? We do yeah. as business owners because we recognize the importance of it. Right. But when we're on the other side, we didn't really recognize the importance. Like, don't worry about it. Like, we'll yeah. remember. I got the deal, right? <laughs> yeah, I got the contract. <laughs> what are you complaining about? What do I need a note for? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so um, Al Entrepreneur, are you using any mon- uh, monitoring systems for your VAs, whether it's Time Doctor, Hub Staff, whatever? Yeah, uh, onlinejobs.ph, uh, when you join join that, I think it's like $70 a month right now for the program, or you can get like a, a $99 level. They have a time-proof app where mm-hmm. I make the virtual assistants log in, and it takes a uh, screen capture of their computer every 10 minutes. So, matter of fact, we just caught one of the virtual assistants slacking off last week, and I let him go because mm-hmm. he had like three hours of downtime. It was the same same screen for three hours in a row. And he wasn't meeting his quota, so he made it pretty easy to uh, to let him go. A lot, a lot easier. Yep. Uh, Elijah Rubin, what's up, Elijah? I uh, on Instagram. How do you fight against this VA speech curve? So, um, a lot of his people he's trying to hire in the Philippines, I guess, struggle uh, with some of the the words. Yep. So my my one and only requirement really for the virtual assistant is that they speak really good English. Like that is the the first thing that I'm looking for. If their accent is really, really bad, I, I do not hire those virtual assistants. I'm looking for the ones that can speak really good English. And a lot of mine that I have right now, you wouldn't even know that they're Filipino when you're talking to them. So Really? Yep. And I, I, I can train anybody. So it's just training. Yeah. They're smart. They learn quick. They pick up quick. Um, you know, I, I do like for them to have some form of sales background, Mm -hmm. but the number one and most important thing to me is that they talk really good English. Yeah. So, um, I guess the answer question, Elijah is he doesn't train them on how to speak well. They speak well and he trains them on everything else. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) There was, um, I remember I I was listening to a story, right? It was, uh, Darren Hardy talking about like he went to like the Ritz Carlton, whatever. And, um. It was one of those hotels. And he's like, how, you know, like the, the person that checked him, it was really nice. The, the concierge, the, um, the, I don't know, it's not the bellboy, like whoever like handles the, the luggage, but like, like everyone here is so nice. Right. So he was talking to the, the, the president. He's like, man, like how do you train your staff to be so nice? Like we just hire friendly people. Mm, yeah. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's a lot easier that way. Yeah. Um, uh, so on YouTube, um, do you mail and cold call? So it sounds like you mean you do both. Yes. Yeah, we do both. So how much mail, mailing do you do and how much cold calling? Um, actually, direct mail is the majority of our marketing budget right now. It's probably, I would say, 80, 80% of our marketing budget. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have two cold callers right now. And I used to just have one. So we just started 
uh, two like last week. So I'm still kind of expanding on the cold calling right now. Got it. Um, and then you were saying, so you said two cold callers on who you're mailing or? Uh, two, when I say cold callers, uh, I'm talking about on the dialer. So we have, we have Zen call is what we use. And mm-hmm. so I have two specific, uh, virtual assistants that are, that are auto dialing. Got and it. the others are just basically following up with leads for us. So. Got it. Okay. So there's, so you kind of have a lead manager. You just don't really call them or give them that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Okay. So then, uh, why on YouTube is what CRM are you using and how do you like it? Um, we, it's, it's, it's called REI control now. So it used to be investor PO. Then I think it changed to real estateinvestor.com and now it's called REI control.com. So, um, it's, it's, it's good. I mean, I wouldn't say it's the best cause you always want to change certain things about it that you can't really do, but it, it functions and has preset follow-ups and stuff like that. So it works fine. I think that's so, the story of every CRM. You're right. 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 Like we have this as business owners, like, man, wouldn't it be great there's just one platform that we can call from, take leads from, and like all these follow-ups are automated and like systems never fell apart and mm. it just always worked and this and that. Like, wouldn't it be great? <laughs> um, that doesn't exist. No, it's not out there. <laughs> yeah. um, and then uh, Michael Kennedy on YouTube is, what is your cost per contract? Uh, we're right at about uh, 2500 Got it. Um, so going through some uh, additional questions here, there was a, a question on, on Instagram, auto close, what's the best price? Uh, I think if you could ask that question in another way, uh, I don't quite understand that question. Uh, so giveaway is he's asking about, you know, tell us more about your sales team. So how are you training them and, uh, what are you doing to train them? Uh, I mean, basically just recording their calls, you know, and, and listening to the calls, having, having a group, group meeting, you know, once a week to go over, um, just kind of review them and with each, each and everybody, like we said, and just point out, you know, things that they did good things that they, they, they need to work on. So, you know, you take one example and you can help the whole group by the one example that you're listening to. So again, just, just trying to be consistent with that. So Yeah. And then uh, what is your profit, what profit margin does your business operate on? This is from Al Entrepreneur. Uh, I think right now we're running about uh, 60% profit. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty high. Yeah. So, uh, and you just had a killer month. Yeah, we, we, uh, we were talking about it before we started yep. uh, the podcast. Uh, can you elaborate on your killer month? Yeah. I mean, so one of the things I, I always try to focus on is your, your, your deal size, your average deal size. It takes the same amount of effort to close a $5,000 deal as it does to close a $100,000 deal. Sometimes it takes more effort to close right? a $5,000 deal. You're, you're right, because there's usually issues with that, right? <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I just, you know, really put my brain together and, and, and was like, you know, what can I do to get our deal size up? And for me, it was multifamily and portfolios. So we, we pulled multifamily lists and started direct mailing and cold calling those. And then we also found the portfolio people that, that owned properties in our market. And we started marketing and, and advertising to them as well. So, and we were able to, to lock in. We had a, a, a 10 unit uh, complex down in Hopewell, Virginia that had a, the guy owned the duplex right next to it. So it was 12 units total. And we were able to wholesale that one this month. 
And uh, we also had a, a huge portfolio deal down in uh, Petersburg, Virginia, which is about 30 miles south of Richmond, that we closed at the same time. And both of those were, were over 200K deals. So yeah. You throw those into your mix, like it, it's a cash injection into your company. So it's awesome. Yeah. And I think you're, uh, we, we were kind of joking, like there's literally nothing you can't do now. Like whatever was on your list, like, all right, one day you might be able to do, to do this. Yep. So... You, you you got one thing that you're going to be looking at on your wish list. Yeah. Want to share what that is? On my wish list? Or something like you, you meaning to do, but you were like maybe capital uh, uh, strapped. Yeah. I mean, just with, with the capital infusion, you're, you know, it's just doubling down and increasing, you know, marketing channels and yeah. just going deeper into the market that you, than you already have. So it, it frees you up again, back to marketing and sales, right? To, to spend more money on the marketing to mm-hmm. get more leads in order to do, to do more deals, which, you know, if right now we're doing 10 to 15 deals a month, uh, we snowball that in and, you know, hopefully in the next two to three months, we should be at, you know, 15 to 20 deals mm-hmm. a month, keeping the same profit margin and, and everything. And that's how you kind of grow it. So you just, you know, grow it slowly. Don't, don't try to get, go from one deal to 20 deals in a month, right? You got to, that makes sure you have the people in place and the, and the standard operating procedures in place, your KPIs, uh, to, to grow the business gradually. Right. Uh, so Rich Cassio wants to know, uh, does your sales team go to see the property? We are 99%, I'd say, over the phone, virtual. So we don't, we don't typically. So there are some sellers, you know, that you just have to go shake their hand and have to go meet them to get the contract signed. We'll obviously get in the car and go out and run to their properties when they're ready to go yeah. to get it signed. Um, but outside of that, no. All right. And then Michael Kennedy wants to know how much of your business is wholesale? How much of it is wholesale? Um, I would say 90% of our business is whole, wholesale right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe 5% wholesale and another 5% retail flips. So. Got it. Uh, and then how do you get your cash buyers into the property? How do we get the cash buyers into the property? Uh, we, I mean, we, it, we, we just try to set the tone with the seller once we get the contract signed. Uh, we, don't, we don't push it all, but we, we always try to get a lockbox put on the property because that makes it easier. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever we can do that, it's pretty easy to get your buyers in and out of the property. Um, if it's like a rented type property or we can't get a lockbox on there, we'll just put the deal out to all of our buyers and put them on hold basically and say, hey, we're going to have you know, an, a showing at this point in time and push all the buyers in at one time, which that works pretty well sometimes because you can get a lot of little competition, little auction stuff going yeah, on there. Yeah, the auction effect for sure. Yeah. So it just kind of depends on the you know what we have going on with the, with the seller letting us put a lockbox on or not letting us put a lockbox on. And do you do any digital marketing? Um, not currently. We, we have a website. That's, that's about it. Yeah. So that's, that's my next step for our marketing is getting SEO going and getting PPC going. And then all entrepreneur is what's the biggest mistake you've made while building your business? Biggest mistake that I've made. I don't really look at them as mistakes because I think we grow from everything that we do. But, uh, you know, I would just say not being, not being systematized more earlier. Mm-hmm. So, cause again, I'm a, I'm a visionary person. Like that's not my strong points. That's my wife's strong points and she's really good at it. Um, so just being more systematized with, uh, operating procedures. And what's your average fee? Uh, this is from Michael Kennedy. Our average wholesale deal, mm-hmm. we're right at about 20000 20000 Okay, so that's still deal. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you were saying that it wasn't as great as ours. I mean, that's pretty solid. <laughs> yep, that's um, good. I'm happy with it. So. Okay, so, um, you know, a lot of 
guys come on here and I think they all have different motivations. Mm -hmm. So what is your why? Um, just wanted to provide a, a, a good life, not only for me and my family, but for my, my employees that, that work for us, you know, their, their team members, their ownership, it's, it's, it's a team atmosphere that we build. And I just want to be able to try to, to help, help them reach their goals and just understanding your team's priorities and what they want in their life as well. And then just basically trying to provide that for them. You know, that's one of the reasons why I want to go, I'm starting the undefeated real estate group is yeah. I want to, I want to touch people. I want to help, help people and, and help them on their path to get out of the rat race and to, to meet their financial goals for their family, as well as their personal goals, right? Maybe they want to spend more time with them. And, and that's all possible with real estate and how you do your business. Like you don't have to go out and try to make a million dollars if all you want to do is, you know, spend more time with your family and, and, and have, have enough money to do the things that you want to do. Like that's very possible. You can do one to two deals a month, live comfortably and have a lot of time, a lot you of, could, a lot of freedom, right? Yeah. So. That's a Haim is like the best role model. Yeah. Haim's, Haim's greatest. Yeah. Uh, what is your biggest struggle right now? Uh, my biggest struggle right now, I would say personnel, right? Just yeah. finding the right people to put in the right seats to keep, keep it growing, keep it going. Right. How are you right now solving that problem? Uh, I'm asking selfishly for me on this one. Selfishly for me? Uh, I would say <laughs> I'm, me, I'm probably not handling that problem right now. It would be my COO, which is, yeah. which is my wife. So, you know, she's pretty good at, at putting, putting things in place and trying to find job sites, job boards, word of mouth stuff, you know, with the virtual assistants, it's easy. We just, we just, you know, talk to them like, Hey, we're ready for another virtual assistant. So we need another one and they'll go out and find them nine times out of 10 for us. So, yeah. So we've yeah, gotten pretty, personal. we've gotten pretty creative, you know, for us. Um, I put out a video about like how, you know, um, we actually uh, have found that people that have sold some, um, questionable items in the past <laughs> do really well in our, in our business. Okay. Uh, so, so car salesman, is that what you're saying? Uh, no, cars aren't questionable. <laughs> no, so anyway, um, when we posted that, we actually actually had someone reach out. I was like, you know, there's actually uh, job boards for uh, convicted felons. Okay. So, you know, so we're, at, we're advertising on websites for convicted felons. We're advertising on websites for uh, vets. Right. Awesome. So it's not just Indeed, because everyone goes on Indeed or Wise right. or whatever. Like we're, we're intentionally marketing other places uh, for, for people because, man, like the, the, the old days of just like posting a job yeah. and getting a whole bunch of quality applicants. Yeah. Those days are those days are gone, gone. at the moment. Yeah, gone. Um, how do you stay motivated? You know, it's it's that's another one of my superpowers. It's just it's just in me. I'm a highly competitive person. You know, I wrestled all all through my years and in college. So I don't see the cauliflower ears. Not too bad. Not too bad. I avoided. So you that. mostly won. <laughs> it's right. Yeah, Got <laughs> but it. just I'm just competitive. So you know, it's it's. If I see somebody doing, you know, 20 deals a month, I'm doing 10 to 15 now. Like, hey, I want to do that. Yeah. It's possible, right? So just uh, always pushing, always getting 1% better. So. And how do you measure success? Um, how do I measure success? Mm -hmm. Just wanting to leave a legacy is, is really my measurement of success. I want to, you know, put my family in a better place once I'm not here anymore. You know, just have them be able to to have the things in life and do the things in life that they want to be able to do. And, um, you know, uh, my father has done a great job with that, with, with me 
And I want to just be able to continue that legacy down to, to my family and my kids and grandkids. Cause I do have a grandchild too. Wow, man. Already. Already. Yeah. Already. Uh, all right. So, uh, there's a couple more questions here. Um, Michael Kennedy was, uh, how much are you spending monthly right now for marketing? We're right around $30,000 a month for 30, our marketing. 000. Yep. Okay. And then, uh, your process for your VAs to follow up with sellers. Uh, is there, is, can you share more details about how your VAs follow up? Yeah, we have a 90 day touch rule. So every lead we're going to basically touch every 90 days. Those are obviously the cold leads, uh, warm and hot leads. You're going to alter that, you know, warm leads. We might follow up with every 30 days. And then the hot leads, obviously we're calling almost every day until we get the contract signed. So, but the CRM that we use basically does all that, you know, I'm very big on when we train the VAs to come in and I, and my sales team, you know, uh, you, you complete your task and you set a new task, mm -hmm. you complete your task and you set a new task. And then I tell them you complete your task and you set a new <laughs> task, right? If you don't do that and I see that they don't do that, like, you know, we'll write up the virtual assistant right away yeah. to, to know that that's the serious, like I paid money for that lead. And if we don't set a follow-up task for that lead, that lead, it's like burning a hundred dollar bill and just throwing it out the window. Right. Right. So we can't have that happening. So of course, uh, Harvey Martinez, is there an onboarding process for your VAs when you hire them? Um, again, you know, we recorded everything when we started out and that's basically still the onboarding process. So they just come in, they, they watch the videos and then our, our lead VA also manages them and, and trains them. And so I'm basically hands off with the virtual assistants for the most part. Now we, the lead VA handles it. Um, you know, they do a great job and just tracking them and training them. So you mentioned earlier that, uh, your superpower is consistency. Yep. Um, can you elaborate on what that does for you? Um, you know, it just, just basically gives me this mindset that I'm, I'm not ever going to give up. You know, mm -hmm. you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days, right? And when you have those bad days, it, it really sucks at the time. But you know what? I always look at it like I could go broke tomorrow, right? And if I did go broke tomorrow, which won't happen, but if, if I did, I still have a skill set that I could be right back in the same position in a few months because you, you can make $20,000 like that overnight. Like there's mm -hmm. not a lot of people out there that have that skill set. Right. But I do. So, and you know, training my team to have that same skill set to, to work together, to, to get it back. And that's, you know, so I don't, I don't really worry about that for the mm -hmm. most part. Cause I know that we can get it back always. So I think consistency is one of the most important skills yeah. or, or qualities, but it's not easy for most people. Nope. So how do you impart that on your team? We talk about it. Each and every day, we talk about you know winning, winning the day, being a champion. Uh, we we call our uh, VAs Team Campion, which is champion in mm -hmm. in Tagalog, which is the Philippine language. So and it's 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 embedded into them, right? Each and every day, we wake up, go out, win the day, make the call, win the hour, win the call, like get the appointment, get the lead, right? Mm -hmm. So just being the best that they can, and then we also just preach about like like truly helping people when you're talking to them on the phone, because I feel like this industry can get a bad name sometimes. And most people are just like wanting to get on the phone, get the details and give them the offer and then get off. Right. Like that's not what we do. We focus on their, their issue and what's going on in their life. And we really want to help them. That's the first thing I teach my team to say is, you know, 
even if we don't buy your house, we're going to help you as best as we can. If that's just referring you over to a realtor that we know is really, really, really good in our market, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. So we want to help you and we, and we preach that. Um, sets us apart. Absolutely. Do you have a VA that listens to you, you guys' calls? Uh, yeah, our, our lead VA does. Yep. Awesome. And then again, they, they train each week. So every Friday they're, they're listening to each other's calls as well. Yeah. yeah. And again, I think consistency is one of the most important things. Uh, yep. uh, I didn't know this about myself, uh, but you know, I've had peers say like they're the quality they admire most about me is I'm consistent. And I, I look at myself as an inconsistent person, but <laughs> you're uh, always hardest on yourself. We absolutely are. So, um, final question, is there a book you've gifted more than any other? Um, I'd say rich dad, poor dad. I mean, that's the one that really, uh, changed my mind shift mm -hmm. when I read it. It, it changed my life basically. So, yeah. I should probably give that book out more. Yeah. I think, I think it's a great book. All it, right. So I want book. you to think about what you want to leave the listeners with while I make just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, guys, if you got value today, please like subscribe, share or comment or leave a five-star review on iTunes. The more people we reach, the sooner we can get to our goal of creating a hundred millionaires. Uh, we do have our sales. Um, we do have a workshop coming up in a couple months. If you guys are interested in that, go to disruptors.com slash workshop. And we do have our social media starter pack, uh, which has been pretty popular with some of the people. So uh, check that out as well. And we do have Anthony Pappas coming in next week. And he's gonna be talking about how he did a million dollars last year. And as a young kid, you know, so uh, I think he's got an interesting story to share. You guys are, are going to want to hear that one. Uh, what are some last thoughts you want to leave everybody with? You know, we talked about it is, is basically just the consistency part, being consistent each and every day that you wake up. You know, this is, this is a business. If you're going to do this, this business, you, you have to treat it like a business, right? Yeah. It's not a hobby. It's, it's not a job. You have Last to side hustle. Right. Yeah. You have to show up and, you know, the people that aren't successful, that's, that's usually what you see. It's like, you know, they treated it, they tried it, treated it like a hobby. They tried it a little bit. It didn't work. So they quit. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's the guy that's got the ax pick like that far away from the gold. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, he quit. And the next guy came in and, and, and struck gold. So it's, you just can't quit. You can't give up. You know, if you really want to do it, it's possible. It's a numbers game. Um, you just got to hit the numbers. Right. So. Well, I hit, I made 20 calls yesterday. I didn't get a deal. It's not enough. It's not enough. <laughs> not enough. Yeah. But you hear these stories like, yeah, man, like, you know, I can't get a deal. I can't get a deal. So what'd you do yesterday? It's like, you right. know, like, I made 20 dollars. Like, really? Yeah. Like, And that's why you're breaking it down. Like I said, you know, break it, break it down. You come up with a plan. This is how many calls you got to make. You make that amount of calls. You should get this amount of leads, which should result in this amount of offers, which should result in this amount of deals. And if, yeah. if you truly break it down to just a daily function, like, and that's, that's part of what I'll do in my, my undefeated real estate group is we'll set those plans in place for you where it's like, okay, I just got to go out today and get, you know, three leads and make three offers Yep. where instead of, oh, I got to go get 300 leads to get, you know, 10 deals. Right. So just, just breaking it down. So. Absolutely. Uh, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, um, how can they do that? Um, uh, just, they can, uh, send me a message on Facebook. So. That's, um, that's probably there's the more than one to Todd Miller out there. Todd Todd Miller at Richmond Richmond VA. So I, <laughs> I think my link is in there. So all right, cool, perfect. And guys, again, uh, don't forget we do have the closers lab tomorrow, ten o'clock Arizona time, ten o'clock Pacific, one o'clock Eastern on this channel. Thank you, Todd. Thanks, man. It was Appreciate fun. it. It was absolutely fun. I'll see you guys <laughs> next week. All right, see you, buddy. Shout out to Steve Train. 
Jump on the steam train. We real estate disruptors. 